Hello, and welcome to the Honest Hour podcast. I am Christina Mazarek, your host, and I believe that to be honest is to try to convince someone of your discovered truth of something. Your honesty is your work, your story, your relationships, and your worldview. The Honest Hour podcast is a collective voice of global influences. It is through honest conversations out loud that we can rise together through a more diverse understanding of the world. This is your honesty. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Honest Hour. If it is your first time listening today, welcome. I am grateful to have you. Right. On to our introduction. Before I introduce you to our next guest today, I wanted to give this episode a bit of a disclaimer. Before you make any decisions about your health, especially when it comes to medication going on or going off, please consult your own medical professionals. Getting on to introducing our guest of the day, I bring you Nicole Starbuck, who is an intuitive expert, quantum energy healer, spiritual mentor, and life coach, empowering female entrepreneurs to become the best version of themselves so they can experience more peace, joy, and love. As a spiritual mentor and life coach, Nicole serves female entrepreneurs who want to have it all while putting themselves first. She helps them build their online empires without the burnout. Nicole has her own personal experience with anxiety and depression and is committed to helping women become the best version of themselves. Nicole is here today to share her top personal growth strategies and self-care tips so we too can go from anxious to aligned. I so enjoyed recording this podcast and I hope you enjoy it too. As always, please listen with an open heart and an open mind. And if you have any comments or feedback, don't hesitate to contact me on social. Have a good one. Hello and welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to be here today with our next guest, Nicole Starbuck. Nicole, how are you? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much, Christina, for the opportunity to be here on The Honest Hour. I've really been looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited that we could finally manage it. I know we were just saying before we logged on now that it's been a bit difficult to pin down. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just so difficult to organize the right time with guests that are international um, with the time difference. Obviously, you are in Denver, Colorado, where my family lives, but I live in Cape Town now. Mm, That's amazing. And so I don't know that I ever found out how you ended up in Cape Town. Oh my gosh, I'll have to be on your podcast, but just quick, <laughs> quick story. Uh, my husband is South African, so I lived in San Diego, California, and I was studying university there, and he was graduated from university and just traveling, and long story short, we met, we liked each other, we dated, and I came back to South Africa with him, and now I'm here for almost 12 years. Amazing, I love Well, I've that. been here for 12 years this year, Yeah. Yeah. So you have to just listen to your intuition, don't you? I mean, you will know that the most as a spiritual mentor. And I want to get into all of that with you. I have been listening to so much of your podcast recently. And before I get into the content, I have to just say, I don't know if you've heard this before. I think I told you on the side that you have the most relaxing voice to listen to that I fell asleep listening to your podcast one time, not because it was boring, (laughs) but because I literally, it was like so tranquil. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. I actually have some funny stories about that. I used to work in food service. And I would work okay. the drive through and I would get that all the time. People coming through the Seriously. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I thought you were going to think I was super weird, but no. I'm glad you've heard it before. <laughs> I've heard it many times. Thank you. Have you heard of ASMR? No. Tell me about that. Okay. Okay. I'm actually going to Google it right now because I never remember what it stands for, but you need to know this because now when people tell that to you, you're going to tell them why. So ASMR stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, and it's a tingling cessation that begins on your scalp and moves down to the back of your neck and upper spine when you hear a pleasant sound Mm. that triggers this response. So I've, like, not everyone gets ASMR, which is the Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. I have always got it. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced, like, if you go to the doctor and the doctor is like, 
you know, has to be really quiet to listen to your heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And then you hear suddenly in the silence of the room, you hear every little sound, the crinkle of their doctor coat, their breath while they are concentrating on hearing your heartbeat, um, the movement of the medical equipment, everything. And it sort of like triggers this relaxing sensation. Mm -hmm. Well, you have that with your voice. And there is such a thing of ASMR videos on YouTube where people make a lot of money (laughs) doing these. And I listen to those to fall asleep. It's helped me a lot with my anxiety, to be honest. Oh, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that with me. I'm always looking to expand my expertise and my offerings. I'll definitely check that out. Well, you're a natural, so you should definitely add that to your array of services. Um, and you do a lot of things. You have recently, I don't know how recent, but you have a book and it's available on Kindle and Amazon. So can you tell us a little bit about your book, yeah, what you wrote about? Definitely. So my book is called Stress Size, How My Hunger for Control Almost Killed Me. And it's really about that journey of discovering how the American dream, and I know we're you're in South Africa, but this idea of success is a lie where we think that we have to go to school and get good grades and get a good job and everything will be fine, you know, good, good pay, good benefits and all that. And I realized that that type of work, that type of endeavor was not in alignment with who I was and who I wanted to be, why I was here on this earth. And that dissonance that that created of wanting to pursue the quote unquote dream, the success, and then wanting to pursue my life purpose, which was a drastically different line of work, then I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of physical symptoms and illness because I was resisting that call because I was trying to force myself into a box that society had deemed as success. And so that's what I share in that book. I talk a lot about my desire for control, my perfectionism, my stress and anxiety. I also talk about an eating disorder that I developed as a result of all that. And then that wake up call of, oh my gosh, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And then how I came through that. Wow. Incredible. I can definitely relate to that cultural expectation that you refer to because obviously I am American and I think like almost anyone listening that is a part of the Western civilization and culture can really relate to that societal expectation that you have to have goals and then once you achieve those goals, you have to have greater goals and we're sort of like always raising the bar higher. And I don't know about you after you've obviously had this awakening and transition, but for me personally, I had a very similar one. I also wrote a book, but I haven't published it because I'm not brave enough yet, but one day. Um, And what I find is that I often have to relearn the same lessons that, but I've learned to recognize the signs of what, of what for me end up happening each time is burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, recognizing when I'm trying, when I'm overreaching and stressing myself out too much. Mm. So for you, you mentioned that you had quite a number of symptoms of mental struggles, like anxiety and depression. What did that look like for you during that time? And what was essentially the catalyst for positive change and your awakening? Right. So for me, I was anxious about everything. And it was later diagnosed as generalized anxiety disorder or GAD. But literally, like I worried about every penny coming in and out of my bank account. I was like hyper-focused on finances. I worried about every calorie that I consumed. Like I tracked all my calories, like how my food was affecting me. I worried about not just myself and my own well-being, but also because At that time, I was an assistant store manager at a major retailer here in the U.S., and I worried about all my employees, all the stuff that was going on in their lives. And, you know, now I realize, okay, like I'm a highly sensitive person and I'm highly empathic, so I see where a lot of that concern was coming from. But just the stress that the worry caused then like snowballed into 
well, I worry about everything, but I can't do anything about it. And that helplessness, I think, is what leads to the depression piece of it, that you know all the stuff that's wrong and all the stuff that could go wrong, but feeling helpless just kind of makes you feel stuck. And then that can lead to depression. And when you're already compromised in that way, immunocompromised, I, I say disease is literally dis-ease. You're at dis-ease with yeah. yourself. That then leads to other complications. Like I would get just weird like skin rashes and infections and like I would get really tired for no reason and I ended up with vitamin deficiencies. So it just kept snowballing in the wrong direction. And the wake up call for me was actually pretty dramatic. I was supposed to go to work one day. It was really close to the holidays and retail and the holidays are just such an awful combination. And <laughs> yes. I was supposed to be getting ready for work. I was brushing my teeth. And all of a sudden I felt this really intense heaviness. It felt like an elephant sitting on my chest and it was just so much pressure. And I literally collapsed onto the floor. Like I just like in the middle of brushing my teeth, just fell onto the floor and I was crying uncontrollably. And I cried so hard that it started like muscle spasms. Like I lost control of my, my body and my husband didn't know what was wrong with me and he had to take me to the ER and it turned out it was a panic attack. I had never, <laughs> I'd never had that. And um, that really showed me that I was on the wrong path. And I had suspected it for a while and I had been ignoring the signs and kept pushing through and pushing through because I've always been a go-getter, taking initiative, a perfectionist, right? And mm. it, it, when I wasn't listening, my body just decided to shut down. And that was like how it had to tell me that hey, you're on the wrong path. You do something different. Yeah. Wow. I hear the same story when other people tell me about their experience of having a panic attack, that it was exactly how you described. And then they go to the doctor and they sort of think, this is going to be something really serious. I can't breathe. And I've experienced this myself. And then the doctor tells you that you're fine that it's actually your body's physical response to what's happening to you mentally. Mm -hmm. And it's actually like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I found it to be like a really hard pill to swallow. Like at first, you know, with that highly sensitive personality where you're so empathic and you want to be perfect because obviously if anything goes wrong, it's your fault, whether it's in your life or other people's life. Then when you hear that you're having a panic attack or that something's falling apart with your body, you then take responsibility for that too and you feel further shame and guilt um, until you can get the opportunity to snap out of that cycle. Mm -hmm. And that's what you've obviously done. And I wanted to ask, how did you do that? So once you had the rock bottom essentially with your health and you recognize the need for positive change... How did you go about doing that? How long did the journey take? What did the steps look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And the phrase that really sticks with me because it was something that was said to me repeatedly by different doctors is it's all on it's all in your head. There's nothing physically wrong with you. And at first that would upset me because I'm like, oh, I'm broken. Like it's my fault, right? Exactly how you were saying. But I realized that's actually really empowering. Right. Because if it's all in your head and if you can change your thoughts, you can change your life, then that means that we then have the power to fix whatever we perceive as broken. And I, I use the word broken very cautiously because it's not that it's like a problem per se. Like it's not like we're fundamentally flawed that like we can never be repaired or grow or anything like that. It's more that we need to take a situation like that and use that to fuel our own healing, which is what I ended up doing. So initially, you know, I knew that something needed to change. I quit my job. I got a different job, started going to the doctor, got diagnosed with uh, generalized anxiety disorder and bipolar disorder type two with a major depressive episode. And there were liter there were two tracks. One track was you go to therapy, you take the medication, you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. Because traditional Western medicine says that these types of conditions are incurable. Right? They're perpetual. They're, you're going to have this forever. 
like a chronic a condition. chronic condition right yeah the other <laughs> the other mode of thinking was you have the power to heal yourself right so i tried the traditional track i tried therapy which was helpful to some degree i tried medication which is a whole other story I could tell you. Awful experience of trying like a dozen different medications, none of which work. Side effects were worse than the symptoms I was experiencing. Just terrible, wow. terrible experience. And after after a year or two of doing that, I was like, enough is enough. Right? If something was going to work, it would have worked by now. Because yeah. I never quite felt like myself, and I I always had a problem with medication the idea of medication that we take small amounts of poison in an effort to alleviate our symptoms, but we're not really curing ourselves. We're not really addressing the root cause. So we're just putting like a right. bandaid on the situation. And it never really sit well with me. And, and, and doctors, you know, they like to think that they're helping and they say, well, this is supposed to help you get to what's the real you behind all this mental illness. Right. And it just, it never really, it never really worked for me. So with the guidance of a doctor, I weaned off of the medications. I decided to pursue a more natural approach. I got into spirituality. I got into personal growth and development. I learned more about how the mind-body connection works and how it's not just a matter of what we eat and how we exercise, but also what we're consuming, how media and news can impact our mental health, how relationships can impact our mental health, how there's a general lack of prioritization in our lives where we feel like we have to do everything all the time and it has to be done right now. And so really learning how to prioritize and look at, you know, my core values, what's most important to me, how can I eliminate what's no longer serving me? How can I continue to tune into my soul and and really pursue my life purpose, my life passion in a way that is, you know, organic and stress-free. Absolutely. I, yeah, I could, there's so many things I want to say. It's really powerful what you experienced. Um, I think I want to unpack a little bit what you said. The first thing that you mentioned, I took down some notes that I wanted to understand a little bit more is you said that you were diagnosed with bipolar type two. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's correct. I didn't, I don't know anything about it. What, why are there two types and what are, what are the differences? Yeah. So type one is characterized more by periods of mania where the okay. patient experiences just unreasonable elation. They may be um, engaging in, I guess you would call risky behaviors like gambling or speeding, spending a lot of money, having a lot of um, intimate relationships, and just seems out of character. They're just like living free and doing all the wonderful things. Um, and then may, they may crash into periods of depression. Type okay. two is characterized more by the depression piece of it where there are periods of like deep sadness, a lack of motivation. Um, There may be also physical symptoms like wanting to sleep all the time, feeling achy and pain. And then they experience something called hypomania where they don't get that intense, like, Oh, I'm going to like commit a bunch of crimes and spend all my money and get into a bunch of debt. Um, but it's more like just really creative, um, really resourceful, like talk a lot, talk really fast. Um, so it's just a little bit different in how those mood swings come about. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. And then I wanted to understand a little bit more about, you said that you went, you started to research a little bit more about spirituality. Mm -hmm. And I remember for myself, like I went through a spiritual search period Mm -hmm. of my life as well. And I call it my own existential crisis, but I feel like it was so important for my growth and development because after I had kids, I really felt like 
I felt shook mm. in life. Like I really had to get a better grip on my purpose, my identity, um, my own value system and where, how I see the world. Because like you said, so much that adds to your health and your wellness has to do with what you're putting in your body, not just with food, but in terms of like what you're consuming mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I went through a spiritual search period in my life, which brought me a lot of peace. So I wanted to ask about your journey in that. Yeah, my journey is a little complex. Uh, I grew up in a conservative Christian home. And, you know, looking back on my childhood, I could see how anxiety and depression had manifested itself very early on, as early as like the age of nine is when I started feeling these types of things. And mm-hmm. my parents did the best that they could, but they weren't necessarily equipped to deal with a highly sensitive child, a highly empathic child. And so when I was having internal struggles and mental issues, their solution was always just to pray about it. And it didn't yes. it didn't resonate with me and it didn't really do much for me. I mean, I I believed in God. I believed in a higher power. We went to church every week. We had Bible studies as a family. Um, But I felt like there was something else. There was like other pieces that I was missing. And, you know, now I realize, oh, like I've been intuitive this whole time, but I wasn't given the resources to really explore that. And so when I started looking into personal growth and development and spirituality, I realized just how much of that anxiety was actually my intuition, you know, you can call Mm. it psychic abilities or whatever, you know, term people are comfortable with, but just how much of that anxiety was actually intuition. It was my soul trying to tell me something, but again, like I didn't know how to deal with what I was seeing or feeling or sensing. And so it would just create panic, you know, like you get an yes. intuitive hit of, oh, this thing may happen. And then you're like, well, I can't prevent that. I can't do anything about that. So you just feel kind of stuck. But now there's a a sense of peace, right? That mm. things are going to happen that are outside of our control. And that's just that's just life. That's just the way it is. And it's fine. And it's perfectly natural. And we can use that information to inform our decisions to perhaps yes. inform a loved one of something that may or may not happen to um, learn from it. If it's, if it's something we can learn from and then move on. Right. So it sounds like you were sort of empowered in a way through going through your own journey of researching and understanding spirituality in a way that made sense for you. It helped you unleash the reality that essentially your body was always telling you what you should be doing. And it's almost like it's this dualism, like it can be looked at two different ways. In the traditional Christian sense, it's yes, if never worry, just pray. And in your sense with spirituality, it's don't worry, listen, let the anxiety speak to you. And both of them are essentially handing over your fears and your worries to a higher power and trusting what your body is saying to you, mm-hmm. trusting the that inner compass that we have. But it's like you said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you, that you look at change. Exactly. So they were two different things, but sort of the same thing. I, I don't know if I'm explaining it right. I want to speak for you, but that was my understanding. Yeah. I mean, that's perfect. And my mom and I still have conversations about this because she knows that while we believe many of the same things, my take on it is is slightly different, that I do take a more comprehensive, holistic approach to, yes. to re- I guess you would call religion, um, to, to be more spiritual. And, you know, she still very much is into prayer. She reads her Bible every morning. Mm. And I, and I love and appreciate that about her, that she's so committed to that type of practice. And the way that I explain it to her and the way that we kind of found some common ground is prayer is the asking and the meditation is the receiving. Because I can sit and mm. meditate in a way that she would never even imagine doing. 
and in a way that I could never imagine just sitting and praying, right? Mm. So it's two sides of the same coin is, you know, prayer is that supplication, that pleading, that asking, that requesting, that giving praise. And then meditation is the being still, the quiet, the listening to seeing what God's source or universe or whatever you want to call it is trying to tell Mm. you. It's so interesting. And I I like to believe that you can do both almost simultaneously Mm -hmm. and that the definitions can be interchanged. Because for me, a big part of my prayer life is thanks. It's giving thanks. And I always say like, whenever there is an ailment or a dis-ease in my life or something like something that's really troubling me, I find like in my own act of prayer or meditation, if you will, it's handing it over to source or higher power or God or whatever you want to call it and trusting that I'll be guided Mm -hmm. in the right way. Mm -hmm. So it's, I try not to ever see prayer as asking and instead of, instead to more often put myself in a position of receiving. Mm, Yeah. Um, Yeah. If that makes any sense. It's interesting having these spiritual conversations because it can always be looked at so differently and uniquely. Like you said, your mom's religious practice is very much in the traditional sense of like prayer and Bible and church on Sunday and et cetera, et cetera. And I can resonate so much with that, but I can also resonate so much with my friends that don't go to church at all. And they go to yoga and do meditation. I feel like they both serve me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what it really comes down to is, is it working for you? And if it's working Mm. for you, awesome. I I love and appreciate that. But I think there also needs to be that openness of what works for you may not work for me and vice versa. What works for me may not work for you. And I think just in general, you know, as we raise the consciousness of the world, people are becoming more accepting of not only other people's practices, but including practices that may not 100% align with a particular culture that you come from or an area of the world that you're living in. Absolutely. I love the era of growing tolerance. And I know that sounds weird to say, given the times like of Brexit and a post-Trump America and the elections and everything that's happening in terms of COVID, there's been a lot of polarization. But despite all of that, I do feel like there has been a heightened sense of tolerance among different cultural beliefs and spiritual beliefs. And just really, we're I just find that we're entering this shift in our collective consciousness where we are becoming a bit more aware of managing ourselves instead of living in this black and white world of right and wrong. Yeah. So you mentioned when you were talking about transitioning from being on a medical regime to a more holistic approach of understanding that your anxiety is intuitive, et cetera, that you learned to identify what your core values are mm-hmm. and to honor those and to serve those and to put yourself in environments where you flourish for who you are. And it's like exactly the same thing you said. Now we will receive different things from different spiritual practices, but the point is that we're not all the same person. We're all going to tick differently. And that means we need to understand what's important to us in order to know what's going to serve us the most and make us the best people, which makes us offer more to this world. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can really look at, not only my personal experiences, but those of my clients whom I serve, that a lot of that stress and anxiety, the parts that aren't coming from, say, the intuitive hits, right, is that lack of values, that Mm -hmm. we don't know what we believe in, we don't know what we stand for, we don't know what we're fighting for, what we're living for, that we feel like we have to do all the things. And that's really... A big part of my my coaching practice is is guiding people through what are your core values? What is what are the five things, your non-negotiables that no matter what happens, these would never change. Like you would die for these. Absolutely. Like, like so committed. And it really gets people thinking because they've never really had the opportunity to really get into their own skin and really look at their soul's desires and then actually voice that. And stand up for that, right? To be seen and, and act out of exactly. that place. Like, like, 
Yes, exactly. To be able to live our life through our value system. I think that is so important to focus on when you talk about going from anxious to aligned. I know, and I know that that's a common theme in all of the content that you share on your podcast and on social media. And I have yet to read your book, but I'm sure it's a similar theme is that to go from anxious to aligned means that you have to spend some time understanding who you are and what's important to you, not in a narcissistic way, but essentially practicing self-care. Mm-hmm. And you can't practice self-care and fill your cup if you don't understand what is important to you. And and it helps make those decisions for the highly sensitive person that worries so much about letting people down or disappointing others. When you can identify what your value system is, you can more comfortably make decisions that might, yes, let someone down, but it also protects your value and your purpose in this world. Like you're pregnant, right? You're about to be a mom. That's right. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I don't like for me, all these big shifts happened after I became a mom. And one, one of the things, and there were so many is that after I became a mom and some of my friends didn't, I had to make some decisions for my life and for my family that weren't respected or supported by other people. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I let that really dominate how I would make decisions. And I almost had to live in two different seats, like trying to please everyone. Like, hey, I'm still the person that understands the business world and politics and all these different things. I still go out on Friday nights. I'm still going to say yes to everything. And then I would try to also be the mom that was present and who did most things with my kids and tried to keep you know, nurturing my family. And obviously what happens there, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you burn out. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And then you're not serving anyone. So I learned to get really comfortable with making other people uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, I totally get that because recovering perfectionist, former people pleaser, I hated disappointing people. But you just have to know, you just have to take that little moment to tune into yourself and be like, self is this going to help me? Is this going to move me forward? And if it's not, you know, it's not that you have to say no, but you can feel empowered to say no. Absolutely. So where are things now with your health and the medication? Do you do a little bit of medication and the holistic approach to managing yourself or how does it look today? I actually don't. As of right now, I'm medication free. I am virtually symptom free managing my mental health and wellness holistically through self-care and journaling, meditation, good diet and exercise. Um, and it's not that's just, incredible. It is, you know, and I, and I really, I really love it. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with medication. I think it was there for me when I needed it. And there was mm-hmm. a period um, even after I had started exploring personal growth and development and spirituality where there was like a chemical imbalance in my brain. It was so weird, Mm. like that I didn't even realize what was happening because it felt different than the previous cycle of anxiety, depression. And I thought like I had a brain tumor or something. And they're like, no, it's just, it's just your body just shifting back to a previous time in your life. And so there was a, a, a short period where I needed some medication just to get back on track. Um, but yeah, I've been medication free for quite a while now. And, and again, it's just, it's empowering to be able to know, Hey, you have the power to heal yourself. Yes. You can overcome anxiety and depression and you don't have to you don't have to give in to what they say because doctors Mm. are trained in a certain way and you don't have to believe everything that they say that, you know, you're going to be this way for your rest of your life or you have to take medication for the rest of your life. But if you choose to just Mm. have options. My rule of thumb is always to look at everything holistically before I listen to a decision or a piece of advice to go on medication. Like, am I eating well? Am I sleeping well? Am I putting myself in triggering situations that are not healthy for my body, my, my mental health? Um, 
and I always get more than one opinion. Mm -hmm. But I do remember the first time I went to a doctor on my own accord actually asking for antidepressants. It was just before I conceived my first child and I was in a really stressful job. I was still adapting to a new culture. I still I felt there was so much childhood childhood trauma that I hadn't unpacked. Mm-hmm. And I went to him and I said, I, I need antidepressants. And he he asked me why. And I was like, well, I feel really anxious. And he, he literally was trying to convince me not to go on antidepressants. I was actually referred to him from my therapist. So I had a good team mm-hmm. working for me. And he was like, well, how much coffee do you drink? What kind of a job do you have? Why are you putting that pressure on yourself? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, listen, I'm in therapy already. And I, I, I'm seeing you because I want you to prescribe me antidepressants. I just want to like take the edge off a little bit so I can get through my day. And he gave me a piece of advice that I was definitely not open to at the time. And I ended up going on the antidepressants, but looking back now, it was really good advice. And he said, if you're living a life that you have to literally medicate yourself in order to endure, Mm -hmm. it's not the best lifestyle to be living. And he talked to me a little bit then about our modern society and our lifestyles. And I was so not there. (laughs) I was so not there and ready for that discussion yet. And this was a normal general practitioner um, who are normally pretty like keen to just write the script and not have a conversation. telling me this story, I'm like, this is a good doctor. (laughs) I was very lucky. I saw a lot of different doctors after that, um, who I ended up firing all of them and taking my health back into my own hands and doing a lot of my own research and changing my lifestyle and listening to those cues of burnout. But um, yeah, I remember him saying that. And I remember looking back like, oh, but it's interesting because you could go to any practitioner, like any two people with the same symptoms can go to a practitioner or different practitioners and get totally different advice. And I just feel like it's so important to look at our life choices, especially when it comes to our health and our mental health, holistically and with an integrative approach. Um, Because even one of the things you said in one of your podcasts was that you had low iron, which can impact your mental health as well. Yeah, low iron and low vitamin D can both mimic the signs of depression. And I had both had both vitamin deficiencies. Was it like a gut health issue? I don't know that I've ever really gotten a clear answer to that because, mm. you know, I'm, I'm really about addressing the root cause so that we can get to the bottom of things and not have symptoms in the first place. And I yeah. tried, you know, I tried, I treated the iron deficiency. I treated the vitamin D deficiency and I tried going to different physicians and specialists to try and see why those vitamin deficiencies were occurring in the first place. And there was never really any conclusive evidence. Um, I have my suspicions that it could be in part to say an imbalance in the gut biome, right? With the bacteria, um, you taking a lot of antibiotics as a child. Um, It could have been just when you're stressed you don't metabolize as well. So, I mean, I have my theories, but I obviously have no way (laughs) of verifying that. But, you know, just looking at trends and looking at at things that can happen to the body, I mean, that's that's really what I would think. I feel like our theories are so much more powerful than we let them be. Like we have to listen to our intuition and to our bodies. Like I had all the same things you just described where I had deficiencies. I had really poor absorption and I was on like nine courses of antibiotics a year for three years after my kids were born and on antidepressants for anxiety as well. Mm -hmm. And it was when, and also I had asthma and allergy, all these like almost autoimmune problems that were happening like eczema and psoriasis. And I just kept going to the doctor for everything. I was ended up being on cortisone injections every three months, as well as a cortisone inhaler and um, a prescription, strong dose of antihistamine every single day. I was tired, anxious, stressed, not digesting any of my food. And finally went to the doctor and I was hospitalized, um, admitted, but it was a planned admitting 
so that I could have all my blood tests done and all the scans done. I was literally like, like you said, you thought you had a brain tumor. I was like going in there to try to figure out some weird genetic thing that was only showing up after I had babies for hormonal reasons or some weird mysterious answer to all my health problems. And after that day of being admitted to the doctor, he said, look, everything is absolutely fine with your blood levels. Although my body was in a very inflammatory state, he said, like, I think cancer patients have, it was an IgE level. They have an IgG level of Oh gosh, I have to look back at my notes, but it was a very, it, it's whatever number it's referencing, the level for cancer patients is around 3,000 and a normal person is around 70. The count in my bloods was just under 1,000. Mm-hmm. So I was in a very inflamed state. And I don't know, it could have been the stress or the medications or a combination of both. But at that point, I just decided I need to take control of my health again and really just mentally pull myself toward myself and look after my body and my mind and just start listening. Like if my heart starts pounding and racing or I feel uncomfortable or I need to please someone and just say, yes, I'm just actually going to stop doing that now and focus on myself for a year. Mm, So, And I did. I I went to someone as well to slowly wean off the medication And then that's when I wrote my book. So that's when I did a lot of the searching and unpacked the childhood trauma stuff and got to the bottom of it. And I I like, it's not like, I'm sure, I don't know if you can relate, but it's not like this sudden, oh, you worked out the plan and you figured it out. Now you're at the other side and you're healed. It's almost like you sort of researched and identified this toolkit that you can now continue to use when you find yourself headed toward that spiral again. That's the situation for me. And it's a, and it's a journey and it's, that's the beauty of the journey is it's lifelong, right? Because I can, I can sit here and say, Oh, I'm, I've recovered, I've healed, I've overcome. But even now, because I've reached a certain level of awareness, I've raised my consciousness, I've worked on myself, it deepens your awareness of things yes. that you either weren't ready to hear or were ignoring before to where you're constantly growing. I'm still learning yeah. things every day. You taught me about ASMR today. So like, <laughs> there's always going to be- I'm so surprised how many people don't know about that. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And and. And, you know, we can look back and say, oh, well, that means I'm not perfect or I'm not an expert or I don't know what I'm talking about. Or you can say, you know what, like you only need to be one step ahead of someone else to show them how to get to where you are. Oh my gosh. I always say fail forward, face the fear, do it anyways. Like I get excited every time I fail because I know that it means I was trying Mm -hmm. and that I learned how to do something a little bit better. I know that if I'm not failing, it means I'm not showing up at all. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. So your your perspective changes and you just learn to have, I call it grace with standards where you have an idea of where you'd like to be in life, where you're feeling called to be and you pursue that and you manifest that. But also you have grace with yourself that it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be a linear journey. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have failures. You're going to make mistakes. You just have grace with yourself and know that that's part of that journey. It's part of that learning process. That's so interesting. I did a podcast earlier this year with someone who talked about homeschooling her three kids during lockdown. And she said that her method is have a bit of a guide with lots of grace. And it sounds like exactly what you just said now about life. And yeah, it's so interesting. I always say like when you have kids, it's an opportunity to reparent yourself because you totally get to see your inner child from an outer, a different lens Mm -hmm. because you're raising a little person that you want to bring into this world and love so much. And as you give them all that grace and love, you recognize how it's so important to do that for yourself. But you're ahead because you've learned all this and you haven't even popped the baby out yet. <laughs> like that's incredible. You are already a super mama. I wish I had done all this inner work before I had kids, but I was too busy partying uh, and having fun. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a long journey for us because my husband and I got married very very young we met when I started university I was 18 he was 19 wow we got married at 20 and 21 
just super like whirlwind romance, got engaged really quickly, got married very quickly. And it kind of all hit the fan after that because we didn't realize your brain doesn't even stop developing until your mid twenties. And so we're basically these two kids in school <laughs> and married. And it was, it was awful. And, and I just, um, I learned about numerology recently is something I'm going to start including in my practice. And it's, Ooh, I can't it, wait to hear it those. said that a name change can also like affect your vibration. And Ooh. so there's this huge shift after you get married and you change your name and, your whole identity is in flux and you don't even really realize it. And so wow. meanwhile, I'm dealing with anxiety, depression, marriage, all this stuff. So it took a very, very long time for us to be ready to have kids. It's been 10 years <laughs> we've been married. And so we're just now wow, yeah, having our first kid. So. Oh, sweet, man. That's so interesting what you say about the name change. That that makes a lot of sense to me now. That explains a lot. I'm going to add another chapter to my memoir. Oh, <laughs> I, I have to I do a bit more research. It. I was like, it all makes sense. Ten years later, I finally figured no. out why I snapped. Because it almost felt like like I was a different person after I got married. You know, it's like there was the, you were suddenly catapulted into this new reality, this new idea. Oh, yeah. Right? You, we attach our own expectations to it as well that have been ingrained. Yeah, it's interesting. But like, I've been married now for 10 years. You've been married for 10 years now, you Just said? over 10 years. We celebrated our 10-year anniversary in May of this year. Yeah. Ah, congratulations. Yeah. Well, I can definitely say that for me, it's also like the first, the, well, I don't know if you're saying that for yourself, but I found like the beginning was way harder. I know some people say like, oh, honeymoon stage. But I found it to be a bit, I wouldn't say tumultuous, but I guess I had rose tinted glasses on and then it wasn't, I don't know. I just, it was like harder to communicate and connect and resolve conflict. And now we're in just such a peaceful understanding place. Like we just coexist so nicely together, like obviously so in love, but it's just really pleasant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 10 years of marriage yeah. is way more pleasant than after five years, in my opinion. And, I, and I've learned too, there's a difference between being in love and loving someone because in love is that yes. initial infatuation, which I learned only lasts like one to two years, which is why a lot of people cycle through these relationships every one to two years is because they lose that feeling of being in love and they think oh. that they don't love the person anymore. And so it took a long time for us to realize what love really meant, that love really is about commitment and, and serving and, and letting go of ego and humility, like being more humble and, and. Absolutely. And we probably to didn't reach together a whole. <laughs> right. And we probably didn't reach that point until like the beginning of this <laughs> year, which is when we started trying for a baby. And like, once we, once we released all those old versions of ourselves, like it made it really, really easy to start a family and to be in sync and all that. So. Well, I still think you're ahead because that's very mature. I can't say that we did all <laughs> those discussions. Nothing it did that work. That. Your journey is your journey. It's, <laughs> it's what your soul came here to do and learn. And that's, that's perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we are where we are meant to be. Um, but just very quickly, I think we pretty much covered it all, but I wanted to ask you like in one summarized statement, your top tips for our listeners on how to get from anxious to aligned. If you had to give your top summarized tips. Mm, I, I mean, I could talk about anxious and aligned for days because that's the <laughs> title of my next book, which I'm working on. Um, wow. So just, I guess just the top three tips are know the warning signs and you're probably already familiar with them because you feel them all the time. Things like being anxious, being depressed, having physical aches and pains, being tired for no reason. These are all warning signs. This is, this is your body's way of trying to tell you either to stop doing what you're doing or to change what you're doing, to redirect, to pause and reflect and move forward in a different way. So that would be my first tip. My second tip is to treat the root cause not just the symptoms. Because it's not enough to just identify the problem. You have to be willing and able to implement a solution. So you need to be a solution seeker, not a complainer. We don't want to be the victim 
of our circumstances. (laughs) We want to be able to not just know the warning signs and identify the problem, but actually do something about it. And that's where your autonomy comes in. That's where your intuition comes in, that if you choose to go the traditional route of medication and therapy, awesome. If you want to do spiritual growth and development, great. If you want to do some combination of the two, that's you know good for you. But decide for yourself what that is and then be your own advocate about that. Don't be afraid to speak up for what you need and make it happen. Even if you're getting conflicting advice, you have doctors trying to push you in a different way or friends and family trying to push you in a different way, you need to be able to trust your body, trust yourself, especially if you're dealing with things like anxiety and depression or other mental health issues, there can be a lot of gaslighting where people may question your sanity or say you don't know what's best for you, but you do. You really do. Yeah. Yeah. So my third tip would be that focus on what matters most for you and take aligned action. Keep moving forward. It Every journey begins with a thousand, with one step, right? So Chinese proverb Every journey begins with a single step. And my one of my favorite quotes is, progress is progress no matter how slow you go. Yeah. Focus on progress, not perfection. And progress is progress no matter how slow you go. Absolutely. I love that. I always tell my kids, practice makes, and then they say progress. <laughs> so cute. I like that. My son says, but my friend tells me practice makes perfect, mom. I was like, yeah, that's what they say. But mommy says progress. We have a whole conversation about why. And I always tell him, because perfection is an illusion and you must always celebrate all your little milestones because then you'll be happy with every step you take. I love that. How old are your kids? <laughs> <laughs> really smart. <laughs> Five and three. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's really sweet. You're going to be an amazing mom. It was so nice to hear your journey and get to know you more. You have so many nuggets of wisdom, and I can't wait to read your first book and also the second one that will be out when? Oh, I couldn't even tell you because I'm still working on it, but hopefully in the next year or two. Oh, amazing. Well, where can our audience find you and connect with you more online? Yes, I love hearing from listeners. So you can find me online at NicoleStarbuck.com, where I also have my blog. You can find me on Instagram as Nicole.Starbuck. And then, you know, we can connect from there. I'd be happy to share whatever resources or whatever can help you. Awesome. Well, I will put the links to all of that in the overview description of this podcast. And I'm wishing you all the best. You have such an exciting season ahead of you. Thank you so much, Christina. I appreciate you. Thanks, Nicole. Have a good day. It's evening for me, but you have a good day forward. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Honest Hour podcast. I hope this recording inspired you to live in your honest truth. And I encourage you, if you enjoyed the episode, to subscribe and to rate the podcast. If you would like to connect with me online, I would love to hear from you. I'm on Instagram at The Honest Hour Podcast, and my website is christinamazarek.co.za. Thank you and have a beautiful day.